Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Nita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. time. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden, the Well Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check it out right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. We both forgot that our anniversary is this week. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Uh, at the time that this episode will have landed, our anniversary will have been yesterday. Yesterday, uh, But we both realized today <laughs> that our anniversary was this week. And with everything else that's been going on and with parenting and all of the myriad distractions that have been happening, both of us were like aware that our anniversary was coming. But it really snuck up on us. Because the next thing you know, it's the middle of October and it's like, oh, oh, hey, so our anniversary is in a few days because I wasn't paying attention to the date. Not even a little. So, yeah, we've, we've been together nine years. Well, we've been married nine years. That's true. We've been together considerably longer than that. Yes. But, we didn't uh, just meet and get married. That's, no. That's not how it worked. No, well, that's not how it worked for us, certainly. Yes. So, happy anniversary. I love you. I love you, too. Let's talk about a book. Let's talk about a book. Or rather, let's start by talking about last chapter, brief recap, in which some stuff happened. Specifically, <laughs> uh, Tracker goes on a journey with Kava out to an enchanted forest. Along the way, he meets a titular leopard. Yes. Then ultimately is led to a sanctuary for Mingi children after rescuing a small boy left abandoned in the woods to die. But he was saved. It's true. So it's uh, it's a good news story. And uh, at the hut of the mysterious woman who runs this sanctuary is where we left off as we segue into chapter four of Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. So we learn... Right off the top, that Kava and Leopard have been working for the woman, we will come to know her as the Sangoma. Yes. Uh, for a little over a year and a half, basically. Yep. Assuming that a moon is about a month. Usually is. Yeah. So uh, they say they've been doing it for about 17 moons or so. 19. Something like that, yeah. So it's it's a little over a year and a half. Yeah. We also learn a little bit more about Leopard in this chapter. I would argue that this chapter is... All about leopard. Kinda. We learn, well, we get told three stories of the leopard. Yes. Uh, is where we'll eventually get in this chapter. But we uh, we start to learn a little bit more about him right off the cuff, actually. Like, for example, he hunts for his food. He doesn't particularly care for the food that the people are eating. No. Um, very leopardy. He also sleeps out in the trees. He prefers to, like climb up in a tree and sleep between two branches rather than on a mat or on the yes. ground or something. Also very leopardy. So he is he is very leopardy. And indeed, we will learn a little later on, Tracker will 
ask him, are you a man who turns into a leopard or are you a leopard who turns into a man? And leopard pretty much says, I'm a leopard who turns into a man. Yeah. I am I am leopard first and man second. And I can't spend too much time as a man or I risk being a man. And he does not want that. No, he kind of finds it abhorrent, actually. Right? <laughs> It's like, I'll be a man sometimes, but ugh, permanently? Ew. Gross. Who, who would want that? <laughs> People are the worst. Nobody. That's getting a little ahead of ourselves, but but eh, we do learn speech. that about Leopard this chapter, yeah. Um, Tracker is finally called up after about a month of staying in the Enchanted Forest. He gets called up by the Sangoma to her hut. He makes his way up there and can't find the door because it's a magic hut. <laughs> and when he walks in, he finds himself on the ceiling. But it's amusing to me because he is self-centered enough that his assumption is that she and the kids are on the ceiling. Yeah. It never once dawns on him that he's the one on the roof until she points it out to him. Yeah. And then uh, very uh, wily coyote fashion, he immediately falls. Yeah. Because finally he's noticed. They talk again, and he asks about the curses of the children, and she kind of asks him, so have you ever, like, been to school? Did you do that thing? And he's so stubborn that he refuses to even acknowledge that such an institution could exist. The, it's It must be so frustrating for this woman to deal with him. quote-unquote witty banter between these two, at first it was amusing, and now it's just becoming frustrating. Well, it's like, especially dude, because get over yourself. Kinda, yeah. Ugh. Kinda. Tracker has, at this age, at the very least, Tracker has just a huge chip on his shoulder, and cannot get over himself. Ugh. And again, the Sangoma must just. It must just be so painful for her. And to be fair, I actually make a note of this at the end of my notes. I'll bring it up now. No one has time for Tracker's business at all. Yeah. Like, everyone calls him on it. Kava, Leopard, Sangoma, all three of them just have no time for him and his no. attitude. Right? <laughs> I cannot wait for him to grow up just just enough. Just enough that it stops. <laughs> he's He's arrogant to the point that he's proud of his ignorance. Yes. That's what's so frustrating about it. Yeah. It's like, dude, if you would just... Like, take a step back, get over yourself. I know I've said that a million times. But he really does just need to get over himself, and he would, the world would open up to him. We have to assume that at some point that it, will happen. It does? I hope so. Well, he's, I mean, he's relating all these stories to the Inquisitor pretty openly. Well, so that's true. one would presume that to an extent he's kind of gotten over himself, and he doesn't have quite so much chip on his shoulder about anyone in a position of any kind of authority. The Sangoma kind of lays it out to him. Children aren't born with curses. No one is born with a curse. Curses can really only come from witches or from you being willfully stupid, which is in <laughs> itself a curse. Curses come in many shapes and sizes. And he's like, well, how do you know so much about witches if you're not a witch? And she explains, I'm not a witch. I kill witches. That's kind of my business. If I was a witch, I would have sold these kids for parts long ago. I wouldn't be protecting them. Right? Which is pretty solid evidence right. that she's not a witch, so, right? We know this for sure. She's not a witch. Yes. But she's definitely magical. Oh, yeah. Um, She is a Sangoma. That is a title. Uh, oh, yeah, because she is called the Sangoma. Yeah, it's closer to... it's. It has to do with... uh The tradition for the Sangoma has to do more with, like, ancestor spirits. 
So she'd be kind of like a healer and a diviner. Oh, okay. She, the I suppose the closest we would come would be like a priest. Yeah, all right. Which, a kind of priest. Which, okay, following that allegory, it makes sense then to be the opposite of a witch. Sort of, yeah. 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 She explains to Tracker, she kind of has taken it upon herself to protect these Mingi children from people who would do them harm. To further that, she keeps the sanctuary hidden using her powers. And uh, using the protection of a Nikisi Nakondi, which is um, basically it's a fetish statue. There are many kinds of Nikisi. A Nakondi is a more aggressive kind of fetish statue that you can use to actually like punish wrongdoers and kind of get uh, enforce oaths, stuff their, like that. Uh, their description of it and how they used it felt uh, very voodoo-esque to um, me. I would go so far as to say that this might be kind of an ur-voodoo doll. Yeah, could be. Uh, based on my limited knowledge and a little bit of research about well. African mythology, this might be where the idea of a voodoo doll comes from. Could be. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. During his time here... Tracker finds himself kind of befriending some of the Mingi children who don't really have names per se. He just kind of starts thinking of them as like the smoke girl, the giraffe boy, the ball boy. Yeah, I think it's sweet. Like the smoke girl uh, really takes to him. Interestingly, like Kava buds. doesn't believe she is a real thing. Later on in the chapter, he implies that he can't see the smoke girl. And so I wonder if Tracker can only perceive her because he can smell her. Maybe. And she appears to him as smoke because she's really just a scent to him. Because she's invisible, maybe. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Or she just chooses who she hangs out with and does not want anything to do with Kava Doesn't for some like reason. like Kava, yeah. Or maybe this is an implication that Tracker is a little more in tune with the mystical than Kava is. Oh, maybe. Hard to say. Could be. They spend almost two months living with the Sangoma and the Mingi children. Tracker actually at one point asks Kava, are the Kugan worry about us and maybe like... Care? care or come looking for us and Kava's Kava just gives him a look like nah, no nah, that's not gonna happen <laughs> no not really no um and this is the point where we kind of cut to as tracker puts it three stories of the leopard yes which is where my argument earlier comes from the rest of this chapter is mostly about leopard well leopard through is, tracker's eyes but still yeah the, i mean the black leopard is part of the title of this novel of course we're going to get to know him at some point well yeah um the first story is one in which he catches leopard and kava fooling around one night and finds himself powerfully envious kind of of both of them in a weird way yeah super jealous of kava he's jealous of kava because kava's fooling around with another person yeah and he's kind of jealous of the leopard or he's kind of rather envious, envious of, of the, the leopard, leopard because he's getting fooled around with. Yeah, because he wants to be with Kava. Yeah, but he dead. also kind of wants to be with Leopard. He gets he I'm gets not power. Sure about those two. He gets powerful emotions from the Leopard. There are some strong feelings. The Leopard is a very manly man man when he's a man form. <laughs> yes, but in this instance, he is not in man form. He is, in fact, kind of in a hybrid mode. So this also confirms that as part of his shape-changing power, he can choose how far how far along he wants to shift. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a spectrum, not a point A, point B kind of thing. Yes. Shape-changing on the spectrum. Yeah. Shape-changing on the spectrum. That's right. Tracker also uses this opportunity to discuss the idea of Shoga, which is uh, 
homosexuality, specifically for men. Yes. And how the different kind of cultures in the region view Ashoga. Yes. I found it interesting that there's one culture that's a little Spartan-esque called the Uzundu, who are known for their particular fierceness as warriors because they have love for their fellow soldiers. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. It it felt like a total sidebar. It, oh, when, it's a to, it is an absolute. When he sidebar. was talking about it, but I still found it fascinating to read about. It also, but it's also elaborating something that was discussed in previous chapters, where a man like him, who is both man and woman, because he there, has parts, there is a role for him in society, and and this is kind of what he's discussing here: the idea of the shoga, which in his particular society he describes it as a role much more akin to what a eunuch might have. I thought that too. Yeah, uh, a man who is very safe to have around your women because they have no desire for women. Right. Yeah, so they're they they are like the keeper of your wives. They manage your harem or they teach your wife the womanly arts. Stuff like that. As only a man can. Ugh. He also mentions that at one point prior to running off with Kava, he had asked Hank Witchman could you just circumcise me and we could be done with this? And Good old Hank Witchman. Hank Witchman gave him a look and was <laughs> like, if you were meant to be that way, the gods would have made you that way. Why should we go cutting your parts off? Which shows that Hank Witchman is actually kind of progressive, all things considered, for his culture. Kind of. But if the gods made him that way, why didn't they make anyone else that way? Like, why... Why bother with circumcision, then, if you're leaving it up to the gods? Well, Hank Witchman doesn't exactly live with the Ku village. He's nearby. Fair enough. Yeah. We cut to the second story, uh, where Leopard rudely awakens Tracker one morning and is like, dude, we're going to go shoot a bow. Archery day. Let's go. I, I imagine he's very groggy. It's like, uh, what? We're what now? Turns out Leopard is a crack shot. <laughs> he's very oh, good with a bow. He's super good. And this is Chekhov's bow. It's going to come in handy uh, later on in the chapter. Absolutely. Tracker's also impressed that he's using iron arrows. Apparently the coup tend towards like bone and stone arrows. Yeah. And Leopard laughs that, yeah, the coup also believe in Mingi children. So uh, maybe don't put too much stock on <laughs> on how far they've progressed as a people. Right? Maybe trust the crack archer over here about yeah. what's better to use. Also, they're totally shooting at a magic tree. Um, yes! <laughs> And the Whoa. tree starts getting real upset. It's like, <laughs> forgive me for making a Harry Potter reference, but it's like the Whomping Willow, right? Every time he goes to retrieve his arrows because he's missed his target, the tree beats him up. Basically. Poor guy. Well, I feel more, I'm more worried about the poor tree, which is being riddled with arrows. <laughs> and and Leopard won't let him stop until he hits the, bu the bullseye. Okay, but the tree is willingly there as target practice. Doesn't mean the tree likes being shot. <laughs> <laughs> eventually they finish because tracker manages to finally put an arrow through the hole that the tree has opened right? up for him and it's like been hours <laughs> because he mentions that it's that night by the time he does it and they were he was woken up that morning oh, by yeah. leopard okay so this was very much a male bonding moment for these two and there may or may not have been a little bit of flirting in there oh there's a bit of flirting but one or both of them is really bad at it. Uh, it's not Leopard. <laughs> Look, Leopard's not particularly great at it. Tracker is actively bad at it. Yeah. This anecdote also sets up Leopard's skill as an archer, oh, too. Oh, it does. That is, I and, believe the point, but still. And for that matter, Tracker's anti-skill as an archer. 
because he has none of it. He actually mentions that this was the incident that made him realize, I'm never going to shoot a bow very well. I am not good at this. Uh, so instead, he actually picked up hatchet throwing and became quite good at it, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's his weapon of choice now, hatchets. Tracker and Leopard on their way back talk a little bit about family. And Leopard admits that he finds Tracker a bit of a mystery. Like, he could kind of suss out Kava, who he still calls Asani, pretty much immediately. But Tracker is a little bit of a mystery to him. He thinks that it's because Tracker is still looking for his purpose. That he didn't like the life that was laid out before him in the city. That he went and found the coup, but what he found there wasn't to his liking. And he's still kind of just out there. He's kind of drifting. And Leopard can't figure him out because of that. Tracker admits, I'm really starting to get tired of people reading me. Leopard is just like, then stop being so easy to read. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, stop being a book. Uh, Leopard also asks him a little bit about his nose. And we get a little bit more of an explanation for how Tracker perceives uh, specific scents. Mm -hmm. And the way he describes it is, like, if he knows what you smell like, he can track you across the world. However, if he picks up a scent that he doesn't know, it might it could be anything. Like yeah. he, it, just because he can smell it doesn't mean he recognizes it. He doesn't have uh, a scent vocabulary. No. If you will. Yeah. I also don't think he knows the difference between good smells and bad smells. They're just smells. Everything uh, is just smells. No, I get the impression that there are smells that he likes more than others. Oh, probably. But he, it's so much more powerful to him that it, it might indeed be different than it is for us. And uh, a good smell might be just as overwhelming for him as a bad smell. Right. Third story. After some time, Tracker is once again called back up to the Sangoma's hut. And she says, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of level with you finally about what you're doing here. And the truth is that I kind of knew you were coming because I was given a divination the day that you showed up that uh, a hunter and a thief were both going to land in my lap basically on the same day. And that's basically what happened. You showed up with Leopard and Kava and one of my Mingi children abandoned me and stole something from me. I want you to get that back now. And she's not talking about the kid. No. She makes it pretty clear. She doesn't care about the kid. He made his choice and off he's run. But she wants the talisman that was stolen from her back yes. because it's very important for her. A magical gallbladder. Essentially, yeah. Yep. Yeah. She tells Tracker that she's willing to pay him. But she also kind of backs him into a corner on this because she smacks him with something so powerful in the kid's scent that there's no way... Tracker can't catch it. Uh, the equivalent of making him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, but I mean, she's also like, I will pay you for this. He's like, I have no need for gold in the Ku village. And she's like, dude, be real. You're not going back to the Ku village. <laughs> you, you really want to go back there? Yeah, she's kind of got him figured out on that. And she's right. Like, from oh, everything that we've seen so far, I think that he's saying I'm going to return to the Ku, but he knows. He knows. Deep down, he's not returning yeah, to the He knows queue. that's not where he belongs. That's not where he wants to be. She sends Leopard with him, and Kava is now the one who's super jealous. Oh, my God. The drama. Yeah. Ugh. Um, he kind of accuses Tracker of having been sleeping around with the Leopard when they went off on that archery contest. And Tracker, because, again, he's arrogant and can't give anyone a straight answer for anything, 
refuses to satisfy Kava's curiosity on this. So Kava nearly drowns him in the river. Right? Until Leopard Until Leopard comes and breaks up the fight. But I'm not sure if he's... Is Kava mad at Tracker for sleeping with Leopard? Or is he mad because Leopard slept with Tracker? Which didn't even happen. Uh, Which one is he mad at? Both, probably. Which one is he jealous of? Because he has a a little argument with Leopard that Tracker spots at one point. Mm. But we don't know exactly what was exchanged, so. Awkward love triangle? But not really? Yeah. So they set off. They camp out that night after a day of tracking. Um, Leopard Leopard finds them some supper and turns up his nose when... Tracker cooks his, uh, badly. cooks his bit. Badly cooks Very it. badly, yeah. Um, and they have a little bit of real talk. And Leopard is like, I know you're looking for some purpose in life. I'm just going to put this out there. This could be it. And Tracker is kind of like, I don't really understand what you're talking about. And Leopard's like, what we're doing now. Like, you don't need the village. That's just an empty promise to you. I'm not owned by Sangoma. I just do her favors. Uh, we don't have to stick around after this business is done. You and me, we could just like be in the wind making money tracking for stuff. Tracker is kind of tempted by this. He's seriously considered. He doesn't give Leopard an answer right now. No, but, but you it's can... clear he's considering. Oh, yeah. You can tell he's thinking about it. Yeah. Leopard is making him a decent offer here where he's just like, if you enjoy doing this, this is what we could do. Yeah. Like it. You're super good at this part. I'm super good at this other part. Maybe we could be team. Leopard's clearly a dude who's looking for some adventure. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons he's working for the Sangoma, I think, is because it gives him something to do. He's basically looking at this bounty hunting that they're doing for Sangoma right now and going, we could do this. We'd get to travel. (laughs) We'd see the world. We'd get to help some people out, make a little bit of money. We'd get to prowl around in the bush. What's not to like? (laughs) Next morning, Tracker awakens to discover that he's kind of lost the scent. Oh, actually, he freaks out because he's gone nose blind. He and Leopard are kind of both suspicious that maybe that means something's happened to the boy. They'd be right. And they are are proven right, in fact. But they still need to get the Sangoma's talisman. So Leopard's like, how about we just continue the direction that we knew that he was headed? We'll see if we find anything. So they travel north a bit further and they find a thicket and Leopard is able to discover some tracks, basically. Some conventional (laughs) traces of people having passed by. This is the point where Tracker and Leopard have a little bit of talk about the Sangoma's motivations here. And... Go on. Tracker's like, is she a witch? And Leopard's like, no, she's not a witch. However, she did steal that child. (laughs) <laughs> she's the opposite of which. Uh, However, she's not giving you the whole story. The whole story. You know? Yeah, the boy who ran away, we had learned, um, ran away because he accused the Sangoma of having stolen him from his real mother and ran away because he was convinced that his mother would want him back. And Leopard here is saying, that's true, actually. The Sangoma did steal him from his mother. What the boy doesn't know is that his mom is the Sangoma's sister and she is totes a witch. <laughs> And she intended to harvest that boy's precious organs and sell them to evil sorcerers. So now that you have a bigger picture. Yeah. So there is a bigger picture here. And you just kind of have to decide whether you care that she misled you a little bit. She kind of did it for good reasons. The classic doing the wrong thing for the right reason kind of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. She still wants her 
talisman back. Really, it's the only thing she cares about here. The thicket is too quiet. Tracker notes that immediately. It's not so much that there's, like, the lull in noise as there is the absence of noise. Uh, which is the first sign that something not good is going on. And sure enough, Tracker quickly locates the boy's corpse after he and Leopard split up to kind of search the whole area. Hanging from a tree with a bunch of other dead people, actually. Yep. Where he's been kind of eaten a bit. Everything smells like gross and rot. Yeah. And a little too late, he realizes, oh, this is a monster lair. Yep. That's the point where the monster captures him. Uh, it is an Asanbasam. Yes. Uh, or Sasabonsum. I'm not sure. Both are actually used here. I think in my head I read it as uh, Sambasam. Asanbasam? Asanbasam. And Sasabansam? And Sasambasam. Sasabasam? I think, I think that's how I read it in my brain. Fair enough. Now, in historical mythology, as I understand it, there are two names for the same creature, which is kind of like an ogre and a vampire. Here, it looks as though our author has actually split them into two creatures, one of which is an ogre and one of which is a vampire. Mm -hmm. uh, and in this case, Tracker has been captured by the ogre. Yes. Well, and the way he explains it is that they, but they work in pairs. Yes. Right? So it is a, a set. Yeah. They come as a matched set. Yeah, as a matched set. A matched monster set. A monster match, if you will. Ugh, you're fired. Get I out. got there. I got there. Get out. The Asanba Sam ties him up in the tree and then starts, like, licking his chops mm -hmm. right away. He's like, ooh, fresh meat. I haven't had fresh meat in a long time because my bro, Sasamba Sam, <laughs> wants to drain you of your precious living blood before I'm allowed to chow down, and that's just not fair. Maybe I could just have a little nibble. So You'd be cool even, with that, right? He's not He's not monologuing. He's not threatening. He's just complaining. Yeah. This monster, this demon, spends the whole time just complaining. Actually spends the last few moments of his life complaining because Leopard pincushions it yep. rather promptly with those expert archery skills that we knew he had. We were like, oh, yay, Leopard came back. Yeah, he straight murders this monster and saves Tracker, who is scared out of his mind, and collapses into Leopard's arms like, oh, thank God you showed up right in the nick of time. I was going to die. And Leopard's like, okay, I've already grabbed the talisman. We need to get out of here now because... Brother's coming back. Yeah, his bro is on its way back, and his bro is smarter, bigger, and can fly. So let's go. Yeah. Time to leave. <laughs> because Sasabasam is a vampire. <laughs> yes. So you need to get out of there. And that's where the chapter ends. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to see the vampire? Maybe. Who I mean, knows? I, I assume we're going to see the vampire. We might. You don't tease a vampire and then not give us a vampire. This, uh, this book, though, is a slow burn. We are four healthy chapters in, and we have not hit main quest yet. No, this is, we're still in Tracker's backstory. As, yeah. as we posited back in chapter two, this is the story of the... Incident that set him on his path to being the tracker. Mm -hmm. oh, um, no, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying this is a slow burn. Oh, yeah. We have not, we're not diving right in. Yeah. We're getting there gently. Tracker sat down with the Inquisitor in the cell in chapter one, and the Inquisitor was like, start at the beginning. And Tracker was like, well, I was born. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and the Inquisitor was like, oh, we're going right back to the beginning. That's <laughs> 
What's that line from Ant-Man and the Wasp? I like a good story as much as the next person, but what in the hell does this have to do with where Scott Lang is? I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You put a dime in him, you gotta let the whole song play out. He's like human jukebox. Like you asked, he's gonna talk. This is not, uh, no, there's no time, let me sum up. <laughs> this, this is definitely not that. Yeah. Okay, so regarding the last story about Leopard. Yes, where they head out on their journey to track the boy. Yes. Uh, right at the very end, when they get separated and Tracker gets caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Leopard saves him, Tracker has a line, uh, something about how I, I never saw you because you couldn't see him anywhere. And yeah. then Leopard swings in and saves him. Knowing what we know of Leopard, do we think that Leopard left him on purpose to be bait? I don't know. That's hard to say. He might have, actually, which would be infitting with Leopard's character. And, I mean, he's not too attached to Tracker at this point. And I feel like Leopard would be confident enough in his ability to save Tracker that he might have dangled Tracker as bait to catch the monster. Right. But I don't know, because he makes a pretty sound suggestion early on where it's like, let's split up, I'll circle around, and we'll see if we see anything. Rather than both of them be caught out at once if, yeah. if there is something there, right? So I don't know. It made me it made me think. I was like, is Leopard really that heartless that he'd be like, all right, here's the plan, but actually Leopard You're gonna be bait and I'm gonna do my best to not for you to not die. But you're kind of expendable, so off you go. I mean, Leopard I wouldn't say that he's necessarily heartless, but throughout this chapter he does kind of make a pitch for don't get attached, kid. Yeah, he really does. Uh, and makes it pretty clear that he himself doesn't feel the need for attachments, which makes me feel like part of the character arc we're going to see with Leopard here is him getting attached to Tracker. Maybe. Because Maybe. because he's starting out as Mr. Don't Get Attached. So, the, I mean, it does, and this is not meant as wordplay, it does track with his character, <laughs> that he might in this moment have been like, I'm going to dangle the kid out as bait and see what comes out. I'm sure he can hold his own. It'll be fine. Uh, at least long enough for me to, like, get a beat on whatever's out there. Right? Yeah. Take down the monster. All right. <laughs> get out. Run. Run. Except, well, yeah, because the worst monster is on its way. This is the little one. I can take this one. <laughs> yeah, the ogre monster that just effortlessly captured you and wants to eat you alive. That's the small one. <laughs> yeah. I can handle the small one. We need to go before the big one comes back. Yeah, but uh, we'll have to wait and see if we get a glimpse of that big one. As we move into chapter five of our novel, you'll want to read up on that in time for next week. In the meantime, as you well know, we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network. We are based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, and while many of you, our fine listeners, are not, <laughs> uh, there are some who are. And if you are a resident of this community, you might be interested in getting some hyper local news. And fortunately for you, one of the affiliates of the network is, in fact, a hyper-local news network. This episode of The Read-Along is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes a weekly health innovation roundup, sharing the latest news on research, technology, companies, and people changing healthcare for the better in Edmonton. It's curated by Hiba Kamal-Shufi, a journalist and communicator with a deep interest in what's going on in our city. Subscribe to the Health Roundup for free at taprootedmonton.ca. Yeah, Taproot Edmonton, one of the proud sponsors of the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, you can check out the entire network's library of wondrous podcasts. Vast library. 
right now on the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Uh, definitely check out some of our sibling podcasts. There's going to be something there that fits your tastes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, when you find one you like, hit it up on your favorite podcatcher. And while you're there, maybe give us a little rating and a review. That helps us out. We always appreciate feedback. Yeah. If you want to give us some more direct feedback, you can do so on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along on most of those. If you need more than the space allotted by social media, you can send us an email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. Happy anniversary, sweetie. I love you very much. Yay! I love you back. And we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>